There's a set of principles that we work with at Narrative. And uh, principle number two is everybody has a story. So we thought that we'd have a conversation about um, what that meant for us, or what that meant to us. Just working with that idea and getting that idea and thinking that idea, because we talk about we talk about this all the time because we talk about the principles in every workshop that we do. So every time we're in front of people talking about um, the kind of theory, the methodology of story that we teach, we talk about this principle. But what does it mean for us, I guess? I thought that, um, that, I, that I didn't have a story, I think. Or, no, mm. no, that's not true. I knew that I had stories, but I didn't... Um, but they were, oh, it was just my story. <laughs> you know, it's just, well, that's... Um, you know, me uh, going to sleep in the back of the car when we're driving back from Ealing because we've been to see Auntie Josie and Uncle Ron and, and dance to Tamla Motown records. You know, th that's a... That's a story, and I think for most of my life I kind of knew that, that those stories were my stories, but I just didn't attach any interest or value to them. I didn't think anybody else would be remotely interested in them. Mm, I think, and I think that's very common, that idea that, on the one hand, I don't really have a story because these things that are in my head, from my experience, are not very remarkable because surely everybody's got that same kind of stuff so they're not remarkable and well consequently well who cares who wants to hear any of that I think that's very common and as um, you know as, as um, a creative person who makes things um you know, primarily in the theatre, in my experience, making things, I have come up against, what have I got from my life that is at all interesting? When I look at the literature that's out there, the plays that are out there, the what's happened to me that that is at all um, going to divert anybody or excite anybody. So I think that idea of not having a story is is very prevalent for a lot of people but it's funny isn't it because all my work in theater is about other people's stories yeah so you see the and i love other people's so I'm, you see how you many know, stories there are yeah. from other people's experience and whenever we do a workshop and somebody brings their story you know, I never think, oh, that's a stupid story, or that's a dumb story, or that's a boring story. No, it's... but then since you've been working on story, hasn't, has, hasn't that shifted your relationship to your own story then? The idea that I don't have a story... Has... Yeah, no. The evidence is from sitting in workshops and being entranced and beguiled and immersed in other people's stories. How, how has that shifted your relationship to your own story? Uh, oh, un it undoubtedly has, but it's what's funny is that that didn't happen before because 
I grew up with stories watching, you know, reading books avidly, um, watching telly avidly, going into theatre, seeing theatre, um, then working in the corporate world, training people where they would mm. frequently tell me stories mm. of what I guess to them was quotidian, oh, this is just what happens in the office and this is that guy that I work with that I don't know how to manage. And to me, they were all fascinating stories. Yes, yes. So So how come I didn't get it before that my right. own story could be or would be as interesting to somebody else? Well, probably you know? because you hadn't turned the spotlight on your own stories and a space hadn't been created where you could tell your story, share your story, hear yourself say your story, tell your story, and have other people reflect anything back to you about your story. Because I think that that's, for me, where it, where it shifted. And I think that our experience, actually, is that we spend a lot more time um, hearing other people's stories than telling our own and hearing our own now. Um, and I'd be nice to keep keep redressing that balance and keep telling our stories more because I know that it shifts for me when I get to tell my story and I have somebody reflect something back about my story that then enables me to go oh okay oh that's that's what my story is is it yeah maybe it that maybe it is that mm. that I've always found fascinating and I can think of specific moments where that's happened to me, where I've got a sense of... Um, well, I think what I've got, one of the things I've got is a sense of continuity in my life or something, joining a few moments together and going, oh, that one happened because that one had happened before it and that one had happened before that. So those are actually all joined, even though one of them happened when I was five and one when I was 15 and one when I was 30. It's like, ah, oh, right. That's telling me something about who I am then, isn't it? Because actually those stories are really related. Now I tell mm, them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I suppose your subconscious kind of organises your memories or, you know, we, we think, oh, I know, I'm just going to tell that story. Oh, amazing, look, it joins up to that other story. Well, some part of your mind knows that it joins up and that's why you think of that, the, you know, you might be working on one story or, or have told one story and then mm. the memory is triggered for another story and that's not an accident. Some, it feels like it sometimes that, or it feels not conscious that you can juxtapose a few stories and suddenly oh, wow, they're all connected. Mm. But some part of our mind has done that. Mm. Yeah. I guess. Th there's... No, this is, this is conversations making me spiral off in lots of different directions because um, occasionally, you know, if I think back to my early experience of just working in this storytelling uh, realm um, and taking... Um, the stories of Paul and Murray to South Africa and the people that were the listeners of that, st that story, that audience, um, couldn't believe how anybody else could get those stories, could understand those stories because they were so specific to their world, they felt. 
they knew the locations, they knew the schools, they knew the families in some cases, the names, the names of streets, the food that was being eaten, the, you know, the way people were talking to people. It was very, very familiar to them and very relatable. And so they thought that it discounted anybody else being able to, able to connect with the stories. Um, and it's remarkable still, occasionally someone will say, well, I really identified with that story because I know X, Y, Z. And then you'll have somebody else with a very different experience say, no, 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 but I connected with it too because I've exper experienced um, ABC, completely different. Mm. Um, um, I don't know the place. I don't know the culture like you do. I'm not immersed in it. I don't know the street names, um, but I'm relating to this, this and this in the story. And that idea that everybody has a story, um, uh, for me, that then means that and everybody's story is connected to everybody else's story because we, um, we find our, our own way to relate to each other's stories. Did I go off at a tangent a bit? No, 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 not at all. Where <laughs> it took me to thinking, if I looked like my eyes sort of went... No, um, you looked thoughtful. I just <laughs> thought, I, I was really questioning myself, have I? Am I talking about something else? No, no, no. Um, I was thinking about Rocket Man, and I was thinking about watching that film, mm. and how in my teens I, you know, had just... You know, I discovered Elton John in about 1970, so I was nine, and and then those the er, very early 70s. That was my kind of like peak Elton John years, which are covered in in Rocket Man. I mean, they they take liberties with the with the time period, but when I watched that, even though I was watching the story of Elton John, it was like I was watching my story because somehow. I was putting myself into the film because I knew that, hey, well, when all that was happening, there was this, you know, nine, ten-year-old in South London whose dad brought home mm. Empty Sky album. Mm. So I'm, it's like I'm in that story too. That really is a tangent. It's, that's not to do with everybody has a story. Although, no, I guess it is because I'm, I watch somebody else's story or I listen to somebody else's story and I find my point of relation to it it's about relatability i think it's about identifying and i think that's why um that's what gives um power and value to everybody's stories because it has the ability to both take us into their world but but remind us of our world as well, like connect us back to our world. You went into Elton John's life as portrayed in Rocket Man, but you were also taken back into your childhood. And so I think that is embedded in this idea that everybody has a story that gives value to everybody's stories because it, it both honours their experience whilst connecting you back to your own experience. I, I do remember very strongly going to my first narrative workshop, which Murray ran with Jerome. And I knew that I was gonna be in a room, you know, with a group of strangers. There were maybe 12 of us on the workshop. And I knew that I had to bring a story. And so I remember 
looking for a story that I thought, well, I, you know, I'm not going to know these people at all. And so I need a story that I, that is just light and is maybe a bit funny and I'll feel comfortable telling in front of this, this room full of strangers. I don't, you know, I don't want the kind of story that I kind of feel like, oh God, I've got to sort of, you know, expose something about myself. Um, and I chose a story about going to Pratt's of Streatham um, with my mum huh. when I was a little girl and I had seen in the china and glass department this lamp that was a ceramic lamp that was, uh, the bulb was inside like a ceramic tree trunk and the tree trunk's all mm. hollowed out and there's little woodland creatures who live in the tree trunk. Is this for you or for the house? This was for me, for my bedroom. Oh. And it had a little sort of red bulb in it. So, so it was like so cosy and sweet, this thing. Um, anyway, so I told the story of going to buy that, you know, seeing that lamp, coveting that lamp, going back with my mum to buy the lamp. You're how old again? Oh, I don't know, maybe eight. Seven or eight. Right. And then uh, walking back, you know, up Gracefield Gardens from Streatham High Road, uh, my mum carrying the lamp, the wrapped up lamp in a carrier bag, and me being naughty, being cheeky to her, and her swinging the carrier bag at me to kind of hit me with the, <laughs> to hit me with the bag because I'd been a bit naughty. And then the bag just hitting uh, a wall, oh. a brick wall on a house. Mm. And the lamp was broken. And, and so then I had this lamp that just had, that was fixed, it was stuck together with glue and it had these cracks and then the sort of gold and glue color. Anyway, that was the story that I told, which I thought was sweet and funny. And when I worked on the story and listen to myself tell the story oh, oh well like yeah i i realized i saw that there was so much more in the stories there was so much more feeling you know i just got how i thought of myself as a you know i was naughty and i got punished and this thing that i wanted was spoiled forever i had it but i had spoiled it by being naughty and then I realized that there was you know there's like loads in there about my relationship with my mum just think uh, of the guilt that your mum must have had uh, her anger causing that as well yeah I mean yeah. you both arrived back in your house both of you feeling terrible probably Cause, yeah because I don't know how much that lamp was but it probably wasn't cheap it came from Pratt's of Streatham and she would have looked at that lamp forever after and remembered that moment yeah. probably too where she lost her temper with me which yeah, which I've never thought of that before, you see. So I tell mm. the story, and I don't even kind of tell the story. I just describe the story to you, mm. and you hear mm. something else in it. And so, yeah, that's what working on... my That was the first time I kind of got a glimpse of, oh, my God, I can even try and find a light, funny story. But actually, if I really pay attention to the words that come out of my mouth, yeah. then I'm teaching myself quite a lot about my own story and what story yeah and what story yeah. can do and I, and of course we see people have that kind of experience all the time in workshops well the thing is if you if you remember something from your life 
you remember it for a reason and you might not fully know what that reason is but it's been laid down as as a as an accessible memory because there's there's something wrapped up in it there's something going on there which is um even if it's just you know a wonderful feeling of um euphoria and a glow between you and somebody else you know and a sunset or something um it, it there'll be a feeling that um that that gives it like an anchor so that it doesn't drift away and and you you remember it what i guess what i'm saying is i think if you if one remembers something um it's always interesting to explore why why mm. why is what might seem might have seemed like an inconsequential moment why has that stayed and why have you got an image of it and a um you know a whole little uh, sequence of events why why is why have you got that why has your memory done that probably because there's something embedded in it which is much deeper than just the the event mm. and maybe yeah it's to do with all the there's some layers of feeling in that event for you it seems and it's just really funny that I didn't know that that was there until I told the story but yeah yeah and maybe yes so that's the beginning of your journey of understanding how stories work I guess um and I think anybody that works on their story and on storytelling there is a kind of a deepening of that understanding understanding how of how stories work and how stories work on us how stories um become part of um become part of our identity become part of how we define ourselves and not always positively they can be negative one can realize that this story that i'm hanging on to um it can be reframed or i can look at it from a different angle um so it's it's very it's very rich isn't it it's very rich as an area to explore um yeah for for those reasons i think i i i find now that i'm now that something that you just said there's making me think about why I held on to that story, the story of the lamp. Held on to it in what sense? Well, well oh, why I, you remembered it? Yeah, why, why, it came why up. I remember yeah. why that yeah, yeah. came up, and and how sometimes, you know, if we do an exercise that's about excavating story, we can find a story that we that we feel that we haven't held on to, that it's. That, that maybe through working through a story that we have held on to, we can, we can excavate and find a different story altogether. So say if I've got a whole bunch of stories that I might remember where I was naughty, it, because I think I have a kind of uh, dominant narrative that as a little girl, I was naughty. I can tell you several stories about, you know, the time I was out playing in the street and my dad came and called and I called for me to come in for bedtime and I just looked at him and then turned around and ran in the other direction and he had to chase me around the streets of West Norwood. So there's that story, there's um, 
the story of when I made my mum cry, which is really lodged in my head because that was kind of scary and thrilling at the same time to make mm. your mum cry. Mm. So, so I can instantly think of a number of stories where I was bad and that's the dominant narrative. Oh, I was, mm. a, I was mm. a naughty child. I mm. was a bad child. Unlike the good children yeah. who never did anything like that, of course. Yeah, and, and where I went to um, was I began mm. to think about the hidden narrative of myself as a good girl mm, and mm. the things that I did, you know, that was good. My mum used to, you know, stand me on a chair and I'd put her apron on and I'd do the washing up standing on a chair bent over the sink. So I was really tiny and I liked the... I remember the feeling of, oh, I've I've been a good, helpful yeah. girl. Yeah. But, but those are not the stories that I go to readily. So there you... You've so, got something to explore, in a sense. And also you've told... The story of your mum much later apologising for you to you for you know being horrible to you, <laughs> pulling yeah, your being, hair yeah, and things. Cro- yeah, so she had a story me. about yeah. you know, yeah, being a cross parent, not you being a bad child. And that, that and that's why it, once you start thinking, everybody has a story, and that includes me, then it gives you the space to start thinking, what oh what's What's the story? What story am I telling? And is this story helpful for me to be telling mm. about myself? Mm. Oh, I'm never lucky, or whatever. Mm. That's you know, mm. or I'm always lucky. Might be a more helpful story, but you know. And people do have stories about themselves that they carry, but they don't even know that. Yes. that's what they're doing. And I think that once you expl- start to explore your own story, you start to see that in other people more. You start to notice their stories running a little bit. Um, start to hear them recount their, you know, their dominant story, maybe. Um, so I think when you explore your own story, it opens up your listening of other people's stories, doesn't it? Empathically um, allows you to hear other people's stories in a, mm. in a different way. Mm. Yes. And other people's stories, well, you know, it creates that well, stories are generative and listening is generative. So we listen to a story and it reminds us of our story and we tell that story and then that generates another story in the person who's listening to us. Mm. And so it kind of loops when you realise that that's, that's story is how we communicate, even if we don't think we are a storyteller. Yes. Yes, and where it's leading me as well is just the um, to face the dearth of empathy in the world at the moment. It feels like our ability to really put ourselves in somebody else's shoes and and see their perspective through their lived experience um, feels like that's being kind of blotted out um, or kind of beaten out of us in some way but if I think that we're about to get on a tube train and there'll be I don't know 60 people (laughs) in a carriage and one can be cross and irritated that you know people step in the door and then they don't move or whatever it is somebody doesn't give you a seat I don't know what people push 
And then you remember that everybody's got a story. Everybody has got hundreds of stories. Um, and they're all there in that tube carriage. You can maybe let go of your own story a little bit. Holding on to your own story. Which sometimes city life makes us feel like we have to just hold on to our own story. Um, I was reflecting about... Um, digital storytelling, you know, like on Instagram or Facebook, you know, it's sh- sharing your your stories. But of course, they're they're kind of highly curated yeah. bits of our experience. But you know, no no wonder then that that's an app like that. I mean, I'm interested in looking at other people's stories, but probably not as interested as you know, in my own stories that I share, which I think are really. <laughs> cool but you know is is that wiring us to um just be focused on our, our story i think that's for another discussion um just looking at the time because that opens up a whole yeah. other yeah. digital disconnect and and where how storytelling plays into that maybe we'll save that for the next conversation yeah the actually mind, i would like to have it yeah because we haven't really talked about that much no. i don't think so we should yeah the moment I'm thinking about getting on a tube train and trying to open up my empathy for the other 60 people <laughs> and their thousands of stories and how that might shift my the dynamic that I have with other people in space if I realise everybody's got a story. Mm-hmm.